90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Doing pretty well. Trying not to float away. All this weird water is still coming down from the sky. Yeah, I don't want to hear about it. We're dry, dry, dry <laughs> here. It's been all around us several days this week. I flew through it coming back up from just like 50 miles south of here. And I could see it was not great weather down there. Flew through the rain coming up here. And within an, about 15 miles of home, it just went clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sucker. <laughs> yeah. I was like ready to pack my bags and leave Oklahoma. It has been so dry this year, but yeah. And of course, my husband was trying to paint a car or going to paint part of some car parts last night. And he's like, you know, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. And I said, it's not going to rain. <laughs> and then it rained all day. So you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> Yep, it did. I caused this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's it. It's been great, relatively, you know, it's been relatively quiet. I'm just trying to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, are you trying to keep your email at inbox zero? Look, I said I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I've only seen the little Outlook hot air balloon once since last week <laughs> oh no how many are in there now oh man okay so i only have like 20 like 20 that means 26 but i think that that's fine here's the deal that i've overcome or that i just overcame seconds ago is the archiving the stuff I was spending a lot of time thinking about where I wanted to to um, file it. No filing. General archive. So I've got some some things that get filed, but if it's not immediately clear where I would put it and look for it, general archive. So I just came to that realization. I'm going to try to make the promise that I will be at zero after we're done with this podcast. I'm going to zero before I go to sleep. Okay, I mean, 20 is not terrible compared to like 8,000 or however many it was before. It was 9,600, I think. When when they had to spin up a new server <laughs> for your email account. Just to keep all my, I'm not going to be in school tomorrow, professor, emails. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that I may need to go look at. You never know. <laughs> You never know. Yeah. But it's okay because they're in the archive. I have gigs and gigs and gigs of archived mail, and that's just fine. No kidding. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's just the whole thought of like, yeah, you're just going to search for it if you need it. And if you don't, it's gone. And I ran into this. Somebody said, I sent you this on Wednesday. Did you get it? And I said, I might have, but Wednesday or whatever day it was, I went inbox zero. I declared bankruptcy and they were like oh let me send it again yep done <laughs> uh-huh and plus a 30 minute conversation about how they could never do that and i said i just did it wasn't that bad <laughs> so yeah mm -hmm. yeah 
It was well, very good. I'm gonna keep encouraging you on your journey, and then once it starts getting above a hundred, coming over there and <sighs> forcing you to delete them. Um, yeah, I respond very well to shame, so that's good. That's why we're friends. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just us on this. Exactly. <laughs> no one's listening. <laughs> no one's listening. Uh, oh, what if they're not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have statistics, Shannon. <laughs> If you need to feel some more shame, let me break out the show statistics. Oh, man. Oh, let's save it for next time. I'm full. Full up. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of shame, it's time to go back to that subject that uh, causes everybody shame in their undergraduate career. career. Uh, Modern physics and classical mechanics. The first, well, there's a lot of shame just in pronouncing these things. (laughs) Right. Right. So last week, we talked about some forces that act on air. Pressure gradient force makes sense. And then the weird thing, Coriolis, that's this magical apparent force that doesn't really exist. But that's not the only one, folks. There's more apparent forces. There are, and we're just going to talk about the apparent forces relative to things like Earth or rotating coordinate systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every well, time... I mean, I guess all apparent forces are on some sort of non-inertial, but maybe not rotating system. Right. Oh. Well, now i got to stop and think about what that'd be. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the classic train car. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Experiment, things like that would be, would be a non-inertial reference yeah. frame. Yeah, um, and so we're, of course, talking about the forces you feel when you ride the scrambler at the fair. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the Euler force, right? <laughs> the Euler force? <laughs> it's spelled Euler, and sometimes you say it out loud in front of people that correct you, and then you do feel shame and run away because you're a lowly undergrad. Talking about a friend, obviously. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> it's intuitively obvious that it's Euler. <laughs> In- indubitably. <laughs> <laughs> to the most casual observer. <laughs> so I... It's so funny because, like, I feel like you say centrifugal force all the time. The kids know what centrifugal force is. But then you don't know what the real one is, which is centripetal force. <laughs> Right, and I, <laughs> I remember. Lots and every of time somebody says centri- every time somebody says centrifugal force, you want to just go slap after you know this. Want yes, exactly. After you know this, oh, oh, yeah. So I um, <laughs> I love it because in fact the first thing that's not even the first sentence, but it's like a little warning in the wiki about it, not to be confused with centripetal force. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and so a fictitious force, or pseudo-force, or apparent force, <laughs> you hear it by a bunch of different names, mm-hmm. is a force that appears to act on something, air, you, a car, whatever. When that motion is described in a non-inertial frame of reference. Okay. So what does that mean? Because that sounds like a bunch of gibberish. Mm-hmm. Yep. It sure does. 
Man, so much of this makes so much more sense, like, thinking about it the third and fourth time through. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it made sense. I passed physics. But, oh, yeah. you know, now it's like, yeah, of course. Of course this is a thing. Just the more experience you have with it, right? So it just depends on where you're looking. Are you within the system looking at what's happening? Or are you outside the system looking at what's happening? <laughs> right. And so an inertial reference frame is by definition in a reference, a reference frame that is not undergoing acceleration. Okay. And so that would mean that if you have an object with no force on it, it would move at a constant velocity in a constant direction. Okay. So Newton's law of inertia, hence inertial reference frame, holds. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so if you're looking at Earth as an inertial system, you need to be on a spaceship in geosynchronous orbit. Okay. Or no, actually, you no, need the, to be on a spaceship the, with stars' fixed orbit. Yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, there we go. So you need to be not accelerating in any way. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, yeah, sure, the universe is expanding, and da, 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 but let's stick to the things that are better than 10 to the minus 12 magnitude here. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so... You're in this inertial frame and everything physics works like it should. But as soon as you start writing the reference frame with the object, <laughs> meaning you're on the earth or you're in the car or you're in the train that's moving, that becomes a non-inertial frame of reference because physics looks different to you and to somebody standing outside. That's so trippy. So trippy. But it all makes sense, right? Sure does. If you think about, like, being on the outside of those god-awful merry-go-rounds that they don't have anymore, because I'm sure so many kids were hurt by them. Right. <laughs> and, like, trying to walk to the middle, and how funny it looked, like, watching your friends trying to walk to the middle when you were outside of the merry-go-round, right? <laughs> exactly. But when you're on the merry-go-round, they just look like they're trying to walk straight towards you. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this this makes sense. So that's where we get these pseudo forces. And of course, one of the easiest ways to visualize this is, and this is more of the Coriolis, but the Foucault pendulum. Okay. I love these. Whenever we build a large facility for our business one day, I want one in the lobby. <laughs> All right. So you, you've got these several places. You've got them on campus. You've got them at a museum in the city. You've got them, a few of them around you. Yes, I think so. I'm trying to and, think of like where the best one that I've seen is. Uh, the one in the physics building at the University of Oklahoma is not yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you've got this big, long pendulum, like long, four stories generally, somewhere in there. And it's swinging. But if you set up dominoes in a circle around its swing over the course of roughly a day, depending on your latitude, they'll get knocked over. Because the earth rotates underneath the pendulum swing. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, in fact, it's 
let's see, it would be what, 23 hours, 56 minutes divided by the sign of your latitude oh. would give you the procession period of the pendulum, I believe. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. <clears throat> not 24 hours. The Earth does not rotate quite that fast, people. <laughs> and it used to rotate way differently. But anyway. Yeah, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, like, I'm trying to think about how at the Science Museum in Oklahoma City, where I used to come when I was little, and then obviously come and take my children now, um, that huge pendulum with the little sticks that were set up around the outside and being like, I don't get this dumb thing at all. <laughs> like when I was little, I'm like, what is this? Like, it was just cool to watch the pendulum. But now, yeah, I'm like, kids, this is so neat. It shows earth's movement. And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go Whatever. over here. I'm going to go over to this thing that makes like echo noises across. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Yeah. And you know, these really like, once you can start getting to these really long lengths of pendula, so these 40, 50, 60 feet, you start getting very long periods. So the pendulum period might be 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just mesmerizing to watch. Mm-hmm. I, the one at, um, at the university has, like, little seating around it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I definitely, uh, definitely have sat there and stared at it quite some time. No dominoes, though. I think you'd get in trouble for trying to put those on. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah. So, okay, that's Coriolis. We talked about that some. Really, all these three apparent forces that we're going to talk about combine to generate what we see. Coriolis is the largest in many cases. Then you've got this centrifugal, or as one of my professors would say, to very clearly differentiate centrifugal and centripetal. <laughs> I mean, I say that when I write them. <laughs> mm hmm. That's hilarious. <laughs> there, there was a meteorology professor that neither one of us had, but I knew people who did have him who had the southern drawl and arrow and error were the same word. Oh. And that was hard. Yes. <laughs> Just like, you know, that structure professor that fault and fold sound like the same word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but so you're you're uh a, you know you've got a something on a string like you remember when you were doing uh, kids baseball stuff they would have the baseball on a string that people could swing so you could practice hitting it and nobody mm -hmm. had to go chase it mm -hmm. yep, yep. okay so from an outside perspective an inertial observer somebody sitting on the stands that ball should go in a straight line. Mm -hmm. The only thing making it not go in a straight line is the pull of the string. Right. The pull of the string is centripetal, centripetal force. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's real. And that's the only real force. That's real. <laughs> that's real. It's forcing it along that curved area. Right, but if you're on this, if you're on the baseball now, there's still the force of the string pulling. So Newton's law, F equals ma, says that the baseball should accelerate towards the axis of rotation. 
So it should, as soon as you start swinging that baseball, it should go and clock dead right in the mouth. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. So when writing the baseball, you have to say, well, there is a force counteracting that with an equal and opposite magnitude. Centrifugal. That is centrifugal <laughs> force. Uh-huh. Ugh. You don't need centrifugal force unless you're on the rotating or accelerating reference frame. But since we're on the giant baseball, we got to talk about it a lot. <laughs> right. And it's the same in a car. Uh, you know, well, everybody knows what it feels like to go around a corner in a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Or ride the Gravitron. <laughs> right. But if you draw a free body diagram from inside the gravitron and outside the gravitron they look very different i kid you not i I keep bringing this up because i remember like i'm a huge like ride fan like i love going to the fair i'm big on rides until i realized how probably terribly unsafe they are and i got old but like i would love the gravitron and i remember after these lectures in physics and just staring at it and being like that's not real but it is <laughs> like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it seems real when you're inside because otherwise physics doesn't make sense you would accelerate towards the center of the gravitron and there'd be a big bloody mass of stumps <laughs> exactly exactly it's so interesting but from the outside perspective it makes perfect sense your body wants to keep going in a straight line and the wall says it can't yeah yeah exactly <laughs> mm-hmm so if you think about meteorology from space, it all looks so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I want some kid to go and say that. <clears throat> Can I take this class from a non- from an inertial reference frame? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that kid's definitely failing. <laughs> well, so many, so many terms that we have to use would just fall out. Yeah. So many. It- and that's great if you care about the weather from an inertial reference frame, exactly. but we don't because we're on the ball. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> but what really bends people's minds, I think, and you know, still does mine if I think about it too hard, it's like you said, neither one of these is wrong, and they're both saying the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, so... <laughs> I really... it's just where you're standing in your little tweed coat and... <laughs> with your whiteboard to draw your body diagram. Uh-huh. Oh, it's rough. It's kind of, yeah. It is mind bending, literally. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Now, then, so that's centrifugal, centripetal. <laughs> There's also the Euler force. Uh-huh. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. <laughs> this one is fun. Oh, this is difficult. <laughs> so if, well, and we, we didn't get into, but like if, uh, if you're looking at centrifugal force, it gets really interesting when your coordinate system origin does not align with the axis of rotation. Ah, there we go. I knew <laughs> this was the part that I didn't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, and we don't have to go too deep into it, but, um, you know, imagine that you're on the Gravitron Mm -hmm. and you're doing your analysis 
in gravitron-centered, gravitron-fixed coordinates, right. where yeah. the x-axis runs out the door, the y-axis is 90 degrees to that, and the z-axis runs out the top. Mm-hmm. And that axis rotates yep. with the machine. That's, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But now let's say you put the XYZ origin on your chest. Yeah, on me. And then it's like, yeah. Now you're off the axis of rotation. Now. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we got wheels within wheels. Yeah. Yeah. And so, or, you know, if you really want to get crazy, uh, do this analysis on the sizzler. <laughs> or the scrambler. The scrambler. I know. That's why I very specifically said the gravitron. <laughs> right. <laughs> One singular axis of rotation. Woo, that's scrambler, man. <laughs> because then you've got multiple non-inertial reference frames that you could consider. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. Why isn't every Why isn't every physics question about the scrambler? Like, come on. Like, I mean, it is perfect. You've got you know something that's like a planet orbiting the sun. The planet's spinning. All you got to do is get a scrambler outside the physics department, and have students throw balls at each other, exactly. and eventually they'll figure out how to clock each other in the head. And they'll understand non-inertial reference frames. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to write that. I'm going to write that grant so we can have some carny (laughs) pull-up. But you instinctively know, you know, you're going to get squished if you're three cars, if you're the car that gets on the outside when, you know, when you're on the far little point in the rotation. So, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So... (laughs) Now let's add one more wrinkle to get to the Euler force. Mm, Okay, yeah. So centrifugal acceleration, Coriolis, these are all assuming a constant motion of our coordinate system. Like the Earth, it's rotating at, let's call it a constant velocity. Yeah, yeah. The gravitron, once it gets going, it's at a constant velocity. Mm. But what if you have accelerations of the reference frame itself, like when the gravitron spins up and spins down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to use... Now your reference frame is doing something different, too. Yeah, so now that it's accelerating, you actually get a tangential force, not a radial force, but a tangential force. That is because of this non-uniformly accelerating, or non-uniformly moving reference frame. So when you got on the Gravitron, remember they had the little pads? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when it spun up, you got pushed to one side, right? Right. Yep. That's the Euler force. There we go. You felt it. It's not real. <laughs> but I felt it. <laughs> it's It's really just there because the pad is trying to keep you from going through the wall in a straight line. Mm-hmm. But to you, it felt like a sideways force yeah. because the reference frame was accelerating. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are your three main fictitious forces. The Euler force doesn't have a huge role in meteorology. No, but... I mean, I suppose when you start talking about not planet, but like maybe large storm, storm scale dynamics. Yeah. Uh, you might be able to get some Euler force 
showing up as you know air parcels accelerate wrapping inwards yeah. in a hurricane i don't know if they ever talk about that as much but we definitely well we talk about it in geology right right uh, boiler poles <laughs> well a little different but i know but still <laughs> it has to do with you know you've got plates moving at different speeds so the earth is rotating and then they're rotating in different directions right so it sort of has it always reminds me of that too so different rotation within the rotation right and so you know we often hear people talk about the eulerian and the lagrangian frame of reference yes mm -hmm. <laughs> so what are those okay so oh, oh lagrangian um is that the point, like, outside of, if you're talking about so orbit, with a, orbital mechanics? Well, with a, um, so with a Lagrangian frame of reference, you're moving with the object under study. With a thing. But the Euler pole is the one where you're not, right? Right. So an Eulerian reference frame would be like a mesonet station. Right. Okay. Measuring temperature, wind, all that at a point as the weather system passes goes it. by you yeah okay now you get into a big argument because i did with somebody once about <laughs> whether a balloon is lagrangian or not <laughs> mm, yeah i'll settle on semi-lagrangian lagrangian with respect to what the air parcel so okay. if you launch a balloon okay. will it stay with the same air parcel throughout its entire trajectory no mm -hmm. that's rough because like it's a simulated air parcel <laughs> but i mean <laughs> it it will minus a bunch of weird effects of other yeah uh -huh. hmm. okay and the fact that it's forced to accelerate by buoyancy exactly which is my, it's my helium <laughs> so <laughs> that was my main argument like well it's not really mm -hmm. eulerian it's semi pseudo or larry <laughs> uh or sorry lagrangian yeah oh, so yeah, lagrangian yeah. you can think of it as it goes over a range of space it travels and eulerian it's stationary like an oil derrick oh look at you yeah <laughs> that trick's worked for 12 years for me to remember which that's one's which <laughs> amazing <laughs> that's amazing stationary like an oil derrick <laughs> okay gotcha <laughs> I do that with alochthonus and autochthonus, which is totally, <laughs> totally ridiculous. Yeah. But alochthonus is all go. And autochthonus is if your car is broken, your auto just sits there. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We need to do a whole show on oh. crazy things to remember stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. The mnemonic device show. <laughs> right. Well, you got you got the mnemonic devices for most hardness. You got the uh, mm -hmm. the reaction sequence. You, oh man, there's so many. There's star types and all that jazz. We have to do the weird mnemonic devices. <laughs> like, okay, adding this to the, notes. <laughs> yeah, things like things do. things that don't make sense, right? Like how I remember the valence states of iron or something. I've got this down. I'm not even going to talk about it now. We're just going to do it next time. <laughs> well, 
I have never had somebody look at me quite as like I had lost my marbles as when I was talking about a reaction. I don't remember what it was with somebody. And I just said, Leo the lion goes grr. (laughs) Out of the blue. And they looked at me like I had finally snapped. Until I explained that it was lose electrons, oxidation, gain electrons, reduction. Oh, oh man. <laughs> um, I just said the other day, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about Linnaeus. I actually, Linnaeus came up with this, like the scientist Linnaeus, right? He came right. up with this thing called the flower clock. This is so cool. When I was talking about geologic time and I added that this year to talk about this. <laughs> it was, he was a gardener, I guess, like a competitive gardener. Yeah. And <laughs> he came up with this flower clock and he had observed all these tons of flowers and what time they bloomed and organized a garden in a circle to bloom along those 24 hours. How cool is that? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um, but when I was telling my husband about it, I said, you know, Linnaeus, King Philip came over for great. (laughs) And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Kingdom, phylum. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The taxonomy thing. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. I was like, it's one of those guys. Binomial nomenclature. It's just not so familiar. He's like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay so adding that to our list of future shows but uh while we're on the oh and actually you know still talking about uh apparent forces here in doing some research for this show i well one i went down the facult pendulum rabbit hole again because <laughs> i just think they're so cool <laughs> and i'm really bummed that i don't have anywhere tall enough to have one yet <laughs> oh man that's great <laughs> um but also, there is a lesser-known experiment by Foucault of the Foucault gyroscope. Oh, okay. So it turns out the word gyroscope was coined by Foucault. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And he had this gyroscope balanced on, you know, the classic knife-edge bearing mm-hmm. and this outer gimbal, and it was free to rotate. I'm not sure exactly how his mechanism worked. I've seen some people make them with uh, floating gimbals on the internet while I was researching this. Mm. And you get this gyroscope that is forced to process as the earth rotates. And so in his, he had a little pointer that you looked at under a microscope, and it was graduated off in, I think, 10th degree increments. But the coolest one that I found on YouTube, somebody had used a just an electric motor and a mass, had it floating in a bath of water, and they had a laser pointer on it that pointed across the room at graph paper <sighs> so that any minor deviation showed up as a big swing on the graph paper. That's awesome. And yeah, you could see this convolution of earth rotation, precession, and actually the device trying to align itself with Earth's magnetic field because of the magnets in the motor. Oh, that's cool. It was very, very cool, and I kind of want to build one of those now, too. That is super awesome. 
Except I think I want to use air so I don't have to deal with the magnetic field part. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Hmm. So I obviously was trying to look up Focal gyroscope. Focal. Yeah. And I got onto a flat earth debunking website to see that picture. I don't know if that's where you got yours. <laughs> uh, no, it is not. I saw that link and anything that started with like flat earth.ws, I just skipped exactly. right on by. I got, I got real scared, but no, it's a debunking flat earth misconceptions. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, this is really weird that there are all these forces that aren't real, but intuitively they make sense. And it sort of, I don't know, reminds me that it's all kind of made up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> well, and sometime we should talk about the Etvos experiment. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Maybe I do, but... So talking about our, uh, is the gravitational mass and the inertial mass of an object the same oh. thing? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to need to. Because we do, we do have to talk about etvos when we do like, uh, uh, you, you got a, gravi a gravimeter on a boat or on an airplane that's moving. Yeah. Then we have to do an etvos correction. Mm -hmm. Because again, we're on a moving platform. Yep. Ah, oh. oh, this will be interesting. Better write that one down too. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to Google Etvos and do homework ahead of time, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's not how you would expect to spell it. Not at all. So many umlauts. <laughs> yeah. So e umlaut tv umlaut s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one of those things that undergraduates who've never seen it before just ignore the dots above the O and go Iotvas. <laughs> Euler. <laughs> and then you say it's Etvos, and they also look at you like you're insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How can this be Euler? It's got an E at the front. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, no. I don't have anything. I was trying to make a really good segue. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's a discontinuity for sure, I guess. Uh, it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday. I don't know if this one deserves a yay or not. More of a whoop. <laughs> yeah, more of a snap. Oh, oh, oh. oh this is a beauty. Uh <laughs> So it's Journal of Internal Medicine, 1990, Termination of Intractable Hiccups with Digital Rectal Massage by O'Day et al. I found this on Reddit, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and as I was telling you beforehand, when I kept saying, thinking digital rectal massage, like, okay, that's interesting. What kind of machine did they, oh, that means nope, fingers. finger. Nope, fingers. This is a really short paper, but very informative. <laughs> and it will make you afraid to ever go to the hospital with hiccups. Exactly. It was so interesting. So this guy comes in, 
a very muscular 60-year-old, as described, <laughs> right? And he has pancreatitis. Um, but they tried to put the, no, the nose tube that they put in to you for oxygen and stuff. So they tried to put this nose tube down his throat, and he can't do it. Like, it fails, and it gives him hiccups that don't go away for, like, two days. Say it was not well tolerated, yeah. my favorite <laughs> phrase. I was like, I hope he threw Insertion of a nasogastric tube on admission was not well tolerated. <laughs> yeah, so two days of hiccups. Can you imagine trying to sleep through that? And they gave this poor dude everything to get rid of them. Oh, yeah. They tried. I mean, they were down to the the, the home remedy cures here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the spoonful of sugar, which my mother always made me do. That was our hiccup cure for sure. Um, and I hated it. I don't love... Oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I said PTSD reading this. But then they pumped him full of diazepam and metal. <laughs> they took a nasal catheter and went back there and tickled the pharynx. Yeah. Like, my gosh. <laughs> Trying to get him to sneeze, I guess? I don't know. That's... Hmm. hmm And then I don't know who was just like, fine, we're just going to stick this finger somewhere <laughs> yep so no thought process here it just says uh after two days rectal examination including digital rectal massage was performed resulting in abrupt cessation of the hiccups abrupt cessation um so i want to know did somebody pull this out of the literature because there is one other reported instance of this or was that they did that to this poor guy and then we're like hmm i wonder if anyone else has done this <laughs> Yeah, so 1988, Termination of Intractable Hiccups with Digital Rectal Massage by Fesmir. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. So after they did this, the hiccups were gone for a few hours, and then they came back, so they gloved up again <laughs> and did it again, and the patient was cured. So, I mean, if you got hiccups that won't go away... Yep, and they said that there are a lot... Well, first of all, there's no known purpose uh, for the strong male predominance in hiccups, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. Uh, yeah, that um, I thought that was really interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so let's see. They said that there's a lot of sympathetic and parasympathetic nerves for both motor and sensory systems in the rectum. And so they think that massaging, they're able to stimulate some of these nerves and somehow stop this violent convulsing. I mean, your mouth's connected to your butt, so I guess it makes sense. Yes, it is. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If you've got hiccups, you can uh, save some money. (laughs) Digitally massage them away. And digitally massage them away. I love that it says it's easy to perform and maybe preferable to other techniques. <laughs> yep. Yeah, great. And they great say it paper. should be considered before the drugs. I think I'd be like, give me the drugs. Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. So much more to say about this paper that can't be said. <laughs> yep. <laughs> On that note... <laughs> and on that note, uh, we don't really want your feedback on this one. Nope. 
<laughs> so you can uh, keep your experiences with this to yourselves. But if you have a cure for hiccups that does not involve digital rectal massage, uh, we would, of course, entertain hearing those. So, Shannon, how can folks send that in? Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. Should really mess with my algorithm. So, <laughs> at don'tpanicgeo. I'm at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. And as always, <laughs> thank you to the people who support us on Patreon. <laughs> keeping these great fun papers coming your way. If you would like to support us, you can do so. Patreon.com slash Don't Panic Geo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Digital rectal massage. <laughs> Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed <laughs> are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. <laughs> <laughs>